experience a transformation that makes us new. We actually become new people. And that's what baptize signifies. You go under the water and the old dies and you come up a new creation. And that's a picture of what happens spiritually to us. Our past no longer defines us. And, and when we allow Jesus uh, to help us, he'll help us to put off the old. And that's the next thing to write down. We have to put off the old and put on the new. That's called repentance. That's where you're going your way towards your old nature, your old self, and you turn and go back the other way. You put off that old stuff. I put off my greed. I put off my selfishness. I put off uh, my wanting to go out drinking and partying and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just going to repent from that and turn to God, and God is going to help me put on the new. We talked about that in great detail. I'd encourage you to look at that, that message from last week. And so then uh, we also talked about you've got to pattern yourself after God and not after the world. Our world has nothing but anxiety, depression, anger, uh, bitterness. I mean, all kinds of, you know what the culture offers? Just popped up on my phone, a mass shooting, another mass shooting. Uh, but this time it's in Laplace, closer to home. You know, I mean, that's craziness out there. That's what the world has to offer. So we've got to pattern ourselves after God and not after the world. And, 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 and we talked about this. This is what amazes me, that Jesus took our sinfulness and gave us his righteousness. There was an exchange that happened. And, and what happened was, is, is Jesus took my sin when he went on the cross. He had never sinned, but he said, Robert, I'm taking your sin. Here, I'm giving you my righteousness. And I made the statement that we're no longer sinners saved by grace. You know, we... Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're a saint because Jesus has put his righteousness on you. We're saints that sometimes sin. You say, well, that's just a play on words. It's no different than a play on words that says, hi, I'm Robert, I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm not an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Robert. I struggled with alcohol. I'm a child of God. You put your identity in who you are. By the way, I never struggled with alcohol, but anyway. Just to show you the difference between AA and Celebrate Recovery. Our, our words are important. And, uh, and so that was last week. And so before we get too deep and serious, I wanted to share a story with you about creation. You know, I've always loved creation science and all that. And, and this isn't exactly theological right here. But I want to tell you this story. It actually comes from John Maxwell. But, you know, the story of creation by John Maxwell, I guess, would be what you'd call it. On the first day, God created a dog created the dog, and he said, look, for 20 years, I want you to sit on the front porch and bark at everybody that comes by. The dog says, man, God, that's a long time. How about I do it for 10 and give you 10 back? And God said, okay. And so on the second day, God created the monkey. And, uh, and so he said, monkey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to do monkey tricks. I want you to entertain people, make people laugh, and for that, I'll give you 20 years. And the monkey said, God, that's a long time to have to do monkey tricks and make people laugh. How about I do like the dog did, and I'll do 10 and give you back 10? And God said, okay, that'll work. On the third day, God made the cow. He told the cow that he would, he would uh, go out with the farmer into the fields and toil under the sun and provide the farmer with, with calves and milk. And, and for that, he'd let him do, live 60 years. And the cow said, oh, God, that's a long time to be working that hard. How about I, I, uh, I'll keep 20 and give you back 40? And God said, okay, we'll do that. On the fourth day, God created man. All right, and then here's what he said. For, the first, for, for 20 years, I want you to 
eat, sleep, play, and enjoy life. And I'll let you have 20 years. And God said, and the man said, God, that's not very long to have that much fun. How about we do this, God? How about you give me my 20, the cow's 40, the monkey's 10, and the dog's 10 for 80, and we can do that. And God said, okay. Well, that's why for the first 20 years, we eat, sleep, and play. Then for the next 40 years, we slave to provide for our families. And then for the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain our grandkids. And then for the last 10 years, we just sit on the front porch and bark at anybody that walks by. (laughs) Y'all did better than the 9 a.m. crew did. All right. Y'all did better than the 9 a.m. crew. So I just explained life to you. We could go home, but we won't. Uh, You know, but... Today, we want to continue talking about allowing love to reign in our lives. And, and so, uh, I put a slide up here for you. God's great mercy became a transforming reality through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I believe that as a result of God's mercy and His love for us, it invites us to live differently. It invites us, it draws us into a different life. And so, you can write this down. We're to be living sacrifices that no longer conform to the patterns of the culture. And we're going to get more in depth in that a little bit. And, and, uh, but this world is deceptive, it's selfish, it's angry, it's foolish, and, and these are patterns that we don't need to live by. These are patterns we don't live, need to live by. Instead, we need to allow God to renew our mind, and in doing so, we'll discover what God's will is for our present. And it's not easy. Here's why it's not easy. He wants us to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is always trying to crawl off the altar. I mean, you know, we're always trying to get off that altar. But uh, we got to understand the decisions that we make today determine who we're going to be tomorrow and in the future. And and so I think, but God's mercy gives us a chance to die to that old self and to live a new life in Christ. And so we want to learn and discover the destructive patterns in our life and learn to let God renew those and, uh, and, and, and change our way to a better way of living. I, I got a little game I wanna, want you to help me with here that will help us with this. How many of you remember the game Simon Says? Anybody remember Simon Says? Simon Says works like this. If Simon says you do something, you do it. If Simon says stop, you stop. If Simon doesn't say it, you don't do it. So let's see if, if you understand. Simon Says, clap your hands. Simon Says, stop. All right. Simon Says, blink your eyes. Simon says, stop. Simon says, stomp your feet. Come on, the kids at Rivard do better than that. Come on, Simon says, stomp your feet. Simon says, stop. Simon says, look up and down. Stop. See, some of y'all stopped. Some of y'all still going. Simon says, stop. You can stop now. Simon says, was always just a game to illustrate whether or not we're going to listen to instruction or we're going to ignore instruction. And God wants us to listen to him, to listen to what he's, he's got to say. Because every single day, we make thousands of decisions, some small, some large, some with very little consequence, some with great consequences. And uh, we've got to determine what's best for us to do. And, and um, sometimes those decisions are influenced by outside influences who don't always have our best interest in mind. And I think we've learned that in this last year of COVID with all the different news stuff. But see, God gives us another option. God gives us another option. And that option is to listen to him. 
God gives us the option to listen to him. Write that in. We want to listen for his voice and, uh, and, and use his voice to make our decisions. So I got some things for you to write down. I want you to understand that your choices show who reigns in your life. Your choices, the decisions we make on a daily basis or don't make, show who we listen to. You know, I can say all day long, I believe in Jesus, but if my actions don't show that, then I'm just blowing smoke, right? I mean, you know, it's not good. You know, our lives are made up of the decisions we make, and and some of those can be a painful litmus test of who we listen to and and who we serve, where our allegiances are. You know, we're we're a collection of our past decisions, both good and bad. And I wonder if we look back at all our decisions that we've made in our life, who would we see was in charge? Think about that for a minute. Who would we see is in charge? Would we see that we base our decisions on what God said, or would we see that we base some of our decisions on what the culture has said, on the words of the culture? See, we want to learn to hear from God. And Paul talks a lot about uh, living our lives under the influence of God instead of the influence of the world, of the culture. And he focuses uh, this uh, on this. He focuses on living under the influence of God versus the world because we need to learn to let God's reign in our lives and rule over our decisions. We've got to allow God to reign in our life and let him rule over our decisions. That means that I'm going to follow God, not what I want sometimes. Look at Romans 12.1. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers. I want you to know, anytime you see brothers, or first, anytime you see a therefore, it's because of what he just said. But he says, brothers, that's you and me. He's writing this to Christians. He said, in view of God's mercy. I want you to circle that and underline that. In view of God's mercy. What, God, what Paul is trying to do is get us to see things through the lens of God's mercy. He said, looking through the lens of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I mean, he's trying to get us to look through the biblical lens, not through the lens of my hurt or my pain or, or my upbringing or my prejudices or whatever. He wants me to look through the lens of God's mercy. So write that down. We need to look at life through the lens of God's mercy. And, and, and if you do, it'll change your life. I could end here. That, will, that, that alone, if we begin to look through the lens of God's mercy, it'll change our lives. And so, you know, we all try and live our way. We try and control things, but Paul wants us to not do that. He wants us to reject that. He wants us to look at life through the lens of God's mercy. If we do that, he offers us a fresh start. He offers us a, a, not just a second chance, but a fresh start because of our repentance and turning to him. He loves us unconditionally. You need to know that. I'll say that over and over again. And, and just understanding that will change uh, who we are, change how we act. It changes us. Because it takes the focus off of what we want God to do, and it puts our focus on what God has already done. I've said this plenty of times. If he never answered a prayer for me, and I know he will, I would always serve him because of what he's already done in my life. And when, I, when I'm talking about God to somebody, I just want them to be able to experience the joy, the peace, the happiness that I've experienced, and eternal life in the, in the future. So when we turn our attention to, to the mercy of God, I believe we're compelled to live our lives differently. We're compelled to live them as living sacrifices, pleasing to God. Now, in the Old Testament, they would do sacrifices where they would kill an animal and the blood would be sprinkled on the, on the altar. And, uh, and so 
And that, that would, one, the death would atone and give life to the others. That's why we talk about Jesus being, that his death was considered the ultimate sacrifice for all humanity. Jesus' death gave us life. So the sacrifice gave us life. So uh, what's Paul talking about when he's talking about living sacrifices? Well, one scripture that will help us is the psalmist said this. He said, this is David talking to God. He said, you don't desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering, I guess, or I would offer that. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit, a repentant spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. See, what God wants in us, the sacrifice, the living sacrifice he wants us to be, is that repentant person. See, David did all kinds of horrible stuff. He was all the time messing up. But he always repented and always turned back to God. That's why God could say, David is a man after my own heart. And, uh, and so I want to be known as a man after God's own heart. And he says, you won't reject a broken and repentant heart. See, it's not about the sacrifice itself. It's about the heart that's making the sacrifice, the heart behind the sacrifice. And, and so what Jesus is interested in is our obedient and contrite spirit. And, uh, and that's, what God's, that's what God's looking for. Because Jesus paid the price for your sins. That part is settled when you're in Christ. Now it's just about allowing him, controlling us, walking in that. And Paul goes on in this passage. He says this in Romans 12 too. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior. I mean, what are, those, what are the behavior and customs of this world have? Not a lot. He said, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So write down, the world around us has patterns that lead to a broken life. The world around us has patterns that lead to a broken life. I don't think somehow that didn't make it into slides. But I want you to understand, it leads to a broken life. What do you mean? The world offers greed, patterns of greed, patterns of selfishness, pride, arrogance, Envy, gossip, uh, hate, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. All those, that's what the world offers. Misery. You can just sub it all up in misery. That's what the world offers. And they're called patterns because they become routine. They're our go-to. They're our habits. And we need to allow God to change those. So number two, write this down. Changing your patterns will change your life. Changing your patterns will change your life. Paul goes on to say... Let God transform you into a new person. He says, don't copy the world. Let me transform you. Let me transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How do we change the way we think? We change the way we think by getting into God's word. So when we, so when we pass those one-year Bibles to you at the same exact price we paid for it, minus the tax. And so it's important for you to read the word of God every day. That's why we have those devotionals that have a reading plan in the back. It's important to read the Word of God every day. That's how you allow God to change the way you think. You begin to allow God to change the way you think, and, and that transforms you into a new person. Then it says, then you'll know God's will for you, and it's good and pleasing and perfect. Now, so we need to identify the patterns. Now, I want to talk about that for a minute. We, we can learn the patterns of life. For instance, look at this one. One, two, three, four. What's the next one? Five. Five. All right. Uh, red, white, and blue. There's a store up on Lapalco by that. 
Uh, a, B. All right. And so I could, I, I could go on, but when we learn the patterns, they become evident to us what will happen next. So you got patterns in your life. You know that when somebody makes you angry, you respond a certain way, or you go do something, or, or you say something. And so when you start learning that when I respond to this this way, that's a pattern. And you can allow God then to change it. We just have to identify those patterns. And, and, and sometimes that requires us to change our perspective, which means it's what Paul's talking about. I want you to look through the lens of God's mercy, of God's mercy. And, uh, you know, uh, so when we understand God's love and mercy for us, we'll find the reason to transform our lives and renew our minds. We've got to understand God's love and mercy. I can't say that enough. When, uh, the, as much as I realize what he's done for me, I heard somebody the other day saying, you know, they want fairness. They want justice. Everybody's screaming for justice on TV. I don't want justice because there's nothing just, there's nothing fair about Jesus dying for my sins. I want mercy and I want grace. And, uh, and so when we understand God's love and mercy, we'll find a reason to transform our lives. So maybe, maybe you've developed a pattern of talking down to yourself. I mean, anybody besides me, does, you mess up and you go, man, Robert, you are just so stupid. You know, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you, you didn't give your daughter lunch money. Again, she's going to starve to death. You know, I mean, anybody with me on that? We talk down to ourselves. Well, that's a pattern we need to stop following. Maybe, maybe you got a pattern of lying to everybody, you know what I mean? And this leads to more lies. Well, that's a pattern that we need to. Or maybe it's a pattern of laziness in your life. You know, whatever it is, we've got to find those patterns, identify them, and allow God to change them. Allow God to change them. Number three, write this down. Trade your will. Here's how we do it. We trade your will or my will for God's will. What did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Father, if there's another way. I mean, that's Jesus saying, uh, Daddy, could we talk about this for a minute? He said, but not my will, your will. I think it wasn't the pain, the physical pain Jesus was going through. I think... Because for the first time in forever, Jesus was going to take our sin. And God cannot look upon sin. God punishes sin. And for the first time in all of eternity, Jesus was separated from the Father. And that's what he didn't want. God, is there any way we can do this a different way? But not my will, your will. We've got to trade our will for God's will. That's the ultimate thing that will come out of living as a living sacrifice is we say, God, I'm sacrificing my desires for your desires, my will for yours. Because, see, Jesus already paid the price for the sin. We don't have to worry about that part. That part's done. And Paul says the best way to know God's will is by trading our will and allowing God to create better patterns of our lives so that we can find his will. I mean, think about it. If we traded all the time and energy that we used to spend on those old patterns in our life and created new patterns we'd have great outcomes wouldn't we? what, what if instead of all the worry we do we read the Bible some of those hours and hours and hours or you know or, or spend time in prayer where Paul says don't worry pray about everything you know and, and so you might say alright God here I am again you said don't worry and I'm worrying so I'm giving it back to you I know I did it 15 minutes ago but I'm giving it back to you I did it five minutes ago, Lord, but I'm giving it back to you. 
we, we begin, instead of worrying, we pray. We get in the Word. We do the things, and we allow. And, and when we do that, God will show us. Write this one down here. God promises to lead us and show us His will for our lives when we submit to His leadership in our lives. When we submit to His leadership in our lives. I mean, think about that. We've got to allow God to be our leader. See, God doesn't, some, sometimes we go, well, I'm not hearing from God. That's because you didn't do what he's already told you to do. He's not just going to keep talking. God doesn't tell us something as a discussion. He says, Robert, I need you to do this. And it's not for, well, God, I don't think so. Guess what? He doesn't tell me what to do next. You know, we've got we've to allow God to lead us. We've got to submit to his leadership. Look what the second wisest man in the world ever said. Jesus was the wisest. Solomon was number two. He said this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know what that means? That means I believe that God has seen further down the road than I can see. God has seen the, where I need to be, where he wants me to be, what's going to be best for me. And I've got to trust that God knows what's best. It's just like when I was little, I had to trust that my dad knew what's best for me. Somebody one time said, so your daddy always thought he was right? And I said, no, my daddy was always right. You know, I mean, every single time. I wish he was still around. I might, might not make some of the mistakes that, that I make, you know. But we've got to learn to realize that God sees further than I can see. He knows more than I know. And I've got to trust him with all my heart. And then it says this, don't depend on your own understanding. We're always trying to figure stuff out, right? Now, I don't use Google anymore because I'll learn nonsense with all this cancel stuff going on. So I switched to DuckDuckGo. But it's the same thing. You type in, I mean, you know, you might have, you might have an issue. And so you type it in and you read 50 different opinions on what you, I mean, COVID. One article, you're going to die. Another article, oh, it's a fake disease. Another article, it's going to give you hemorrhoids. Another article, no, it won't. I mean, I mean, this is like I'm typing in, why does COVID cause a run on toilet paper? Well, when I caught COVID, I found out why. I mean, you know, but, I mean, we're, we're duck, duck, going everything, right? I mean, you know, we're trying to figure it out. But, but the Bible says, trust the Lord. Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on duck, duck, go. And if you're getting your information off of Facebook, you're just going down the wrong, you're not even on the right highway because there's nothing Facebook says is true. And, uh, and I probably just got kicked off on this broadcast, but I, I don't care. I'm looking for other things to broadcast it on. So, uh, you, know, it's, it's, you know, here's the thing. Don't depend on your own understanding or on social media. That, we could add that to it. I mean, I think, think Solomon today would say don't depend on social media maybe. It says this, seek his will in all you do. In other words, God, what is your will? I used to love those little braces. What would Jesus do? Remember those? And uh, was that the 90s? When was that? That was a long time ago. But what would Jesus do? In other words, when you got a decision, what would Jesus seek? What would God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do here? And, and then it's, here's what the promise is. And he will show you which path to take. You see, when we trust him, and we, we don't depend on our own understanding, and God, whatever the answer is, I'm going to do what you want me to do. He'll show you what to do. I believe when we trust God, and we question our understanding, we'll begin to see straight paths in front of us. And he'll tell us what he wants us to do. We, we've got to trust that God sees further than we do. And, and that he loves us so much that he would never do anything 
that's not going to be really good for us. How many of y'all are grandparents? Is there anything you would do for that grandbaby that would hurt that grandbaby? No matter of fact, you'd like run over somebody trying to hurt that grandbaby. I mean, you know, it, it like mama bear would, mama grandmama would come out. Grandmama bear, whatever it is. I mean, you, you know, I, I used to say, you know, God, understand God's uh, love when I had kids. No, that's not it. It's when you got a grandbaby. That's when you, because those grandbabies get you to spend money and time that you would never do. I mean, you'll skip work. Y'all skipping work to go do stuff with your grandbabies and stuff. I mean, it's, it's insane. But see, that's how God sees us. And, and, I, and if I trust that, then I'm going to realize he's not going to do anything that's bad for me because he sees further down the road. He wants to see Robert in heaven having developed the character that he wants, having lived a rich and satisfying life in the process. And that's what he wants. We can rely on the love of God to see that way. We've got to trust. We've got to trust that. And, and, it's, and, and just like when you're raising kids or grandkids, it's tough to get them to trust you. I remember my dad would have me jump off the countertop, you know, when I was little, and he'd catch me. And he, he'd build that trust. So if he told me to jump, I knew he was going to catch me. Wasn't like my friend Johnny, whose dad did that two or three times and then let him hit the ground. <laughs> See, God wants you to know he, you can trust him. You've got, it takes a while to build that trust, doesn't it? We can build that trust every, on little things. You know why, why so much of the Bible talks about money? Because when we give it and God proves who he is and proves that he gives back more than what we give, it's something you can see. It's something very visible. And, and, and then, then you've got the faith to pray when you're sick or when you're facing another crisis. Because you've seen God work over here. You know he's real. You know he loves you. And so, okay, God, you did it there. I know you're going to do it here. And see, he wants to build your faith, wants to build your faith. And so if we're going to live a life, that rich and satisfying life that God wants, we've got to trust him. I want you to bow your heads. I just want to give you an opportunity. If, if you're here, I, I believe everybody here probably has given their life to the Lord, but if you hadn't or if you're watching on Facebook, if we're still on Facebook, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. Because you see, it all starts with turning from my way to his way. Turning from my sinful ways and saying, God, I don't live that way anymore. I want you in my life. And I don't have to change a lot. He'll change it. I've just got to turn. Just like the prodigal son that ran away from home. The prodigal son ran away from home and his father was looking down the road for him. And when he turned and came back, the father ran to him. God will run to you. So pray this prayer with me. If you're here or watching and you don't know for certain whether you have a a relationship with God, maybe you've been to church all your life. I I went to church all the time. I'd have busted hell wide open until I prayed this prayer. And God became real to me. So I just want to give you an opportunity to pray with me. I'm just going to pray a prayer. There's no magic words. But if you cry out in your heart, and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and come into your life, he will. I'm going to give you some words you can pray if you like. You can pray with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. Give me your spirit to strengthen me so I can follow you. 
and live that rich and satisfying life you promised and live eternally with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you hear on Facebook, Jesus just came into your life and he forgave you of your sin. Just like he did me years ago. Just like he's done so many in this room. And I want you to understand that now he wants you to grow. Now he wants you to learn to put off those old patterns. And he'll give you the strength to do it. I want to pray for all of us who probably know some of the patterns we need to we need to shift for God to show them to us. And so Father, we just we come to you in the name of Jesus right now. God, we've we've looked at your word today and we know we've got destructive patterns in our lives that, that we need to give to you, Lord. And we know that that if we allow you, you will transform our lives by renewing our minds, by changing the way we think. So God, I pray that you'll help us to get into your word every day. That you'll help us, Lord, to study your word fairly regularly. That you'll help us to memorize your word and meditate on your word, God. That you'll help us to spend that time in prayer and in worship. And Lord, that you'll put a desire in us to spend time with other Christians as well. So we can draw strength from each other. Lord, you said iron sharpens iron. So Lord, let us sharpen each other. Let us draw each other closer to you. And so, God, I pray that you help us put aside those old ways and allow you to transform us into new people so you can transform our present. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just real quick, before we're done, I want to invite you on Wednesdays. Just started a series called How to Live Through a Bad Day. Anybody ever had a bad day? Well, Jesus did. It was called Good Friday. It was good for us. We're looking at the seven statements on the cross that he said, and we're going to go through that for a few weeks. And, uh, and so how to, how to live through a bad day. Next week, we're going to finish Love Reigns. We're going to talk about how if we allow God's love to reign in our life, it gives us hope for the future. You know anybody needs some hope for the future? Amen. We all need hope for the future, right? Amen. We have a song? Okay, we have a song to sing. Oh, we have red beans and rice Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. All right. So in case you don't know, the cooking team decided last week we're tired of eating pizza. And uh, so we had spaghetti and meat sauce Wednesday. We have Pastor a, Robert has a birthday Friday. Happy birthday, we're Pastor having, Robert. We're having red beans and rice Wednesday. And uh, so that'll be good. And uh, just remember... Folks that are struggling sick-wise and pray for them, the ones you know. And you can pray for me. I'm having a biopsy tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow, Tuesday. And uh, praying that everything, believing that everything's going to be okay. So let's stand up and worship the Lord. Your love never fails. Turn your never next gives up. Never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. Never runs out on me.